This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. You dirt-eating piece of slime, you scum-sucking pig, you son of a motherless goat. Oh, Steve Martin don't like that Buffalo Bills offensive line either. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Moranalytics Podcast. Today is Tuesday, August 28th, 2018. I am Patrick Moran. Today, I got my Pat with Puck segment co-host, Tone Pucks in the house with me, and we're spending the vast majority of today's show talking Buffalo Bills, and more specifically, that complete and utter abomination of a preseason performance this past Sunday in Orchard Park against the Cincinnati Bengals. Come on, man. That was ugly as hell to watch, especially in the first half. One of the worst I've ever seen. We'll talk about if we think that the starting quarterback position battle is over. And here's a little spoiler alert, guys and girls. It is. We also talk about why this defense has been, quite frankly, to be honest with you, pretty goddamn lucky that there's been bigger storylines going on because... They have not played well, but they've escaped a lot of wrath because of the offensive line and questions about who's going to be the starting quarterback dominating those headlines. And of course, speaking of that offensive line, we're going to dissect that disgraceful performance by the offensive line. That probably cost at least one, if not multiple guys who had starting jobs on that line. They may not be starters anymore after that Cincy game. I'm telling you that right now. If they don't have an internal replacement for a few of these guys, they're going to be looking on that waiver wire this coming weekend. Trust me on that. So we cover a lot of ground on the Buffalo Bills today. That's what this episode's all about. And speaking of the Buffalo Bills, I really just wanted to take a quick second here and thank former Pro Bowl center Eric Wood for doing this podcast last Friday. As it turns out, it's already become the most listened to episode of this podcast ever. So much love to Eric Wood. And of course, much love to all of you guys and girls out there listening. And one more thing too. Some of you may be wondering why I don't have a quote unquote, and I'm using air quotes here, I should say, a name guest on the show today. That's no offense to you, of course, don't fucks. But to that, you know what? I say two things. One, I interview mainly media figures and athletes. And with having two shows per week, you know, simply put, Having two notable name guests per week over the long haul on this podcast is just not sustainable. It's not. Plus, you know what? I think not having a mainstream guest every single episode makes it a little more meaningful when I do. And then secondly, you know, I'm big on consistency and regular segments. 
And that's why I love doing things like Pat with Pucks or the Running with Joe segments that I'm starting to do on a lot of the Friday shows. I think it's a big part of my podcast and it's going to continue to grow. And trust me when I tell you, I'm working on plenty of other new segments in the near future that I think you guys are really going to like. So lots of old stuff and lots of new stuff coming your way soon. And on that note, let's get this baby going today and roll right into some Pat with Pucks with my buddy, Tone Pucks. Pat with Pucks. To the victor belongs the sports. Why don't you get the fuck out of here before I shove your quotations book up your fat fucking ass? The customer is usually a moron and an asshole. Okay, a simple wrong would have done just fine, but then... All right, Tone Pucks. Yo, my goal coming into this game Sunday, and we're taping this on Monday, my goal was to not overreact with this Buffalo Bills preseason game, whether they played great or whether they played terrible. But you know what, man? I just can't help myself, so I'm going to say it. This may have been the most discouraging first half of a Bills preseason game I can ever remember. I mean, literally every single thing that you feared about this team coming into the game pretty much came to fruition. We'll get to, I'll tell you what, we'll get to that in a second. First of all, man, how you doing? What's up? It's been a couple of weeks since we got together. How you been doing? I, I've been doing good, man. Getting uh, getting ready for my own uh, slice of the football pie, you know, with the stripes on and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, uh, the the area is a better place now with you having returned to Florida. So <laughs> it feels feels good to have you, have you out of here. All right. Obviously, we got a lot to talk about with that game. And we'll get to that in a few minutes. But before that, there was some pretty cool shit over this weekend that went on with Andy Dalton. I mean, it doesn't need to be rehashed. It was his pass against, uh, what was it against? Against Baltimore at the end of the game that helped get the Bills into the playoffs. The fans really paid it forward. They collected a ton of money, like, what, over $450,000 for his Andy Dalton Foundation. So, of course, Cincinnati's in town this week. He returns. He shows up at Roswell Park and presents a check. He decides to give some money back to that foundation at Roswell Park for cancer. That was great. And then, of course, at the game, man, this guy came back like he was, a, you know, a returning hero. The fans gave him an awesome ovation before the game. Lots of feel-good shit when it came to Andy Dalton before the game. Yeah, man, and, it's, and it seemed real genuine. He seems like a, a solid dude, really appreciative of the uh, donations. Uh, his wife spoke uh, several times, you know, uh, during the lead-up to to the game she really seemed overwhelmed and appreciative about it. My gosh, she just it cracks me up. She couldn't be any more of like a Southern Belle. I don't know if I'm using Southern Belle correct, but everything was y'all, and it was is it, yeah. it was really it was really cool. It was cool. She was um, neat to neat, neat to see how appreciative she was. And yeah, man, it uh, it played out uh, that way right up until right up until kickoff when he started to you know, drop bombs on us. <laughs> and that's literally what he did. Okay, I get it. It's one thing for the fans to show him with some appreciation, but it almost felt like the defense showed him a little too much appreciation too. He didn't even get touched back there. Did we get any pressure on him at all? At all? No, you know, it's it's it was a very clean pocket and um, it looks like, Kyle Williams injury is, is going to be, I mean, we all knew, you know, it was one worth keeping an eye on to begin with, but it doesn't look like they can push the pocket at all 
right now without him and tack on Trent Murphy, uh, you know, being out. Now you're not getting it from the outside or the inside. It's going to be a long day. Yeah, I really hope that Trent Murphy, I hope his return when it happens. I hope he's a significant part of this defensive line because, yeah, you're right, man. Him, no Kyle Williams, there was just a non-existent pass rush. And everyone's talking today about the quarterback play, actually about the offensive line play more than anything. And we sure as shit are going to do that too. But, man, this defensive line, the linebackers, it just seemed like there was zero push out there. Zero push. Jerry Hughes had a couple nice plays against the run, but that was it. The defense, the starting defense, front seven against Cincinnati starters anyway. They couldn't do a goddamn thing. Couldn't do anything. No. Uh, Lawson seemed mostly invisible. Nothing was coming from the middle. Uh, you know, I, and it, I was watch, I was watching this at a, at a family get-together, so I wasn't really bearing down on it, and I haven't watched it a second time. I, I rarely do anyways. But, um, you know, for it, I don't think it's going to take a second glance to see that nothing was happening there. But I'm not going to – Give the, the the linebackers and certainly not the secondary a total uh, pass on the uh, you know on their performance just because of the pass rush they suck too you know I mean it was it was a collective laying of an egg by by the whole defense I'll agree and we'll circle back to the defense let's get to the offensive line right now because I mean you don't have to be an expert you don't have to you know break down film and have all kinds of those credentials to know what you saw with your own eyes. This offensive line just straight up got beat up. They got beat up. They did not play a defense that was stunning. There were no fancy blitzes, no schemes, anything like that. It was just man-on-man. Everyone, and I do mean everyone on that offensive line, just straight up getting bullied. I mean, Mills, Dukas, who else started? Groy? Who am I forgetting? You haven't got you haven't gotten to my whipping boy yet. I, my I, my whipping boy for today is John Miller. Yeah. Um, oh my God. How could I possibly forget? We could probably do an entire segment about John Miller right now. But first, let's just talk about before we talk about any of them individually. I mean, this line collectively as a whole. I know Josh. Well, actually, Josh Allen isn't getting that much criticism, nor does he deserve it, in my opinion, because I don't think he had a chance. I don't. They could have signed Drew Brees this week. You know, or traded for Drew Brees this week, and he would have went back there Sunday, and he would not have done shit behind that offensive line. It seriously, it was that bad. I guess here's my question for you: If you're Sean McDermott right now, or you're Brandon Bean, and again, we're taping this on Monday, the next day, you're sitting in that office. How much can you realistically do, or, or I should say, how much realistically should the Bills try to do to address this problem right now? Because man, that really reared its ugly head. And I don't know that it's going to get a lot better because you look at these guys that we're talking about and it's not like it's minus Deion Dawkins, who, by the way, didn't play. There's not a lot of like room for these guys to grow. You know what I mean? It's not like these guys all have high ceilings and they're just struggling. They're young kids struggling early. Aside from Dawkins, it seems like this is what you're going to get with this offensive line. So what do we do about it? Well, you mentioned both Bean and McDermott. And I think they both have their own uh, responsibility in this. I think it's McDermott's job right now to look and see what he has and figure out, uh, you know, whether a new combination is the way to go or at least worth trying. And Bean's got to look at what they don't have and uh, and see what comes available when that uh, when that big cut comes down in in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, I, I, I actually, I don't want to jump ahead to any uh, bold prediction, but I've got some thoughts on what, you know, can and should be done uh, on the offensive line. If you, if you want to get to those now, that's still, uh, I'll call it my bold prediction. Go ahead. You know, I, I, I feel like Dukas is the guy that everybody's kind of looking at today because, well, it's just the optics of the way Atkins drove him right into the quarterback is, is pretty hilarious. I mean, he was just absolutely manhandled, ragdolled, whatever you want to say. So, you know, those were kind of the plays that stick out at us because, you know, he was beaten one-on-one so badly. I think he's probably the most likely guy to stick uh, on that interior line. Uh, I think Miller's penalties, uh, pre-snap penalties, are going to draw the ire of McDermott. And I think a guy that you've been talking about for a long time very, very well may get uh, a look when they line up, you know, for the first time in practice, whenever that may be. I don't know if, you know, there's going to, I haven't heard anything today in terms of a practice. They're probably watching film and stuff like that. But I think Teller may get the look that you've been uh, talking about. And I think it's possible that, you know, Ryan Groy might be in trouble or perhaps, you know, Ryan Groy becomes the guy who who moves to a guard spot or something like that. Look, I don't care how badly Bodine graded out uh, amongst pro football uh, writers or whatever whatever the site is that grades offensive linemen. You know, it was referred to a lot when he came in here. The guy has started four years in this league. He went against Geno Atkins in practice every day. Boy, he's he's a starter at least, man. He's He's a... He's a replacement level player, and it looked like that might be an upgrade um, after watching yesterday. So I, I, I see some some movement in there, and I, I think uh, I think Roy and Miller should be worried a lot. John Miller sucks. I I just got to get that off. My I told chest. you that. I told you. All right. I just got to get that. Everybody was like, well, you know, it was all about the scheme last year. He he wasn't a good fit for the scheme. Bullshit. All right. If you're a decent offensive lineman, you're going to find your way, all right, to 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 starts in this league. And the fact that he couldn't see the field last year, and people are trying to pawn that off to the fact that it was a bad scheme fit, and he's actually the player that he was his rookie year, man. And I probably did that, you know, myself. But um, we're finding out that that's quite a reach, and the dude might just not be a very good. Uh, uh, football player you know for for months now or at least weeks if not months national media has been coming down hard on the bills predicting them to win i don't know i've seen two or three wins you know maybe up to six no one thinks that they're a playoff team or even a 500 team right now and it's always been because of the quarterbacks and i just don't buy that and i haven't bought that you really saw firsthand just how bad now will they play this bad 16 straight games during the regular season no they won't All right, there's not going to be 16 defensive lines that are as good as Cincinnati. So they're not going to be that bad every week. But this line, as it is, is not going to be good, and it's not going to get better either. It's just not. It's just not going to get any better. I do agree with you about one change, whether it's Groy or Teller. I do think Miller playing himself completely out of a starting job. At this point, I'll be stunned if he plays week one, if he's in the starting lineup. Maybe it's Groy. Maybe it's Teller. Very likely, it could be someone who's not on this roster right now, but they got to do something with this offensive line. And by the way, we are spending a lot of time talking about Miller. Nobody was good at all. Nobody was even okay. No one even had a decent game on the offensive line. 
Jordan Mills was terrible. Dukas, I mean, God, you saw the highlights. He was terrible. Groy wasn't good. Bodine wasn't good. Newhouse probably had the best game playing for Dawkins of the five. And by saying the best game, that means he was the least terrible. You know what I mean? Nobody was good. I just I think. I think he had like three penalties too. Because I was with you. I thought Newhouse acquitted himself decently, and Newhouse might be a name that we could throw into the interior mix as well. Um, So I'm with you thinking that he did okay. And then I saw that he had like three penalties or something like that. So I I don't think you can give someone, uh, you know, any sort of credit when, you know, when they're they're taking penalties. So I. I, He was Anthony Munoz compared to the rest of the line. Which is, again, he wasn't good either. He just wasn't as bad as the rest of them. God, listen, we probably could spend an hour talking about this offensive line. That's how bad it is. We've spent many segments talking about this offensive line. They they never replaced Eric Wood adequately. They never replaced Richard Incognito. You know, they they didn't need Glenn. He didn't play much last year. They just did not put a big enough priority on this offensive line. And I think they're going to pay for it this year. I'm I'm still trying to, you know, come to grips with you calling incognito Richard incognito. I, I'm sure I'm sure it was a Freudian <laughs> slip. But if anyone was ever uh, more of a Richie and not a Richard, it's that crazy motherfucker right there. That guy. Oh, my God. Um, I got nothing to add on the O-line, man. You're absolutely right. And here's hoping they do look for something. But, you know, you mentioned the preservation, if you will, of, uh, of Josh Allen as part of, uh, you know, why this line needs to improve. Hey, look, man, uh, Josh Allen was, uh, was at least a, a, a portion of the problem, uh, uh yesterday. He, uh, elaborate, you know, he, elaborate, you know, well, you know, look, it's, it's impossible to know exactly what he's seeing, obviously. You know, the all-22s will come out, and hopefully somebody does some good breakdowns of him so we can see if he really held the ball too long. But, you know, he moved around well in the pocket uh, against Cleveland. Obviously, the, the touchdown to Streeter comes to mind. I don't know that he moved around quite as well yesterday, Um you know, as we've seen him do up until now. Now, there's a difference there. You know, moving around in the pocket, um, it's it's easier to do when your sides collapse and you can step up and then move laterally. He couldn't step up, and that that obviously posed a big problem for him. So he would, you know, to move around in 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 pockets yesterday, the pocket was collapsing. You know, we all we've all we all know that phrase, but. You know, there's there, there's still some culpability to the quarterback um, when he gets sacked. You know, that's why in in my you know Puck's terrible fantasy football league, I ding you on your on your quarterback for a sack because I do think that they uh, they have to own some of it. You know, and and, and so Allen's just putting it candidly, but Allen's got to own some of yesterday's uh, performance. I don't agree with you at all. I just don't. I I'll t- I'll say this much. He had one drive. I think it might have been their third drive. He had back-to-back really bad plays. He rolled out to the right, and he underthrew Clegg badly on a play that probably should have been intercepted. I mean, that was a terrible throw. And then on the very next play, I think it was third and 14, Jeremy Curley was open, and it could have been a first down. But, I mean, he rifled it to him, and it wasn't even close. 
And he does have to work on his touch a little bit. I mean, his accuracy, we all knew it was going to be an issue at times. And it was a little bit Sunday, but in ter- listen, man, the kid was engulfed. He's literally having Miller and Dukas and Jordan Mills taken and run directly into his face within less than three seconds. You know what I mean? I don't think any quarterback who started, and I know you're a Nate Peterman guy, and, we're, and I look, listen, he's kind of winning me over a little bit as well. And we're going to talk about him in a minute. He played well when he came in, but I don't think it would have mattered if it would have been Peterman, McCarron, anybody. It doesn't matter. Ty, Tyrod Taylor last year, you name it, it does not matter. Nobody was going to succeed Sunday behind that offensive line. So I just can't, my, again, minus that one drive, he's a rookie, made a couple shitty throws. I just can't put anything at all on Josh Allen in a negative light based on Sunday's game because of how bad the offensive line was. I'm going to keep beating this horse, dude. I'm going to keep beating it. The offensive line was just that fucking terrible. They were that bad. I hear you. And it's, you know, it's it's not going to be a popular opinion to point a, a finger at Josh Allen. And I'm not doing it strictly because um, I, you know, I'm, I'm a Peterman backer. But, yo, man, you opened up this... This uh, this segment by saying you told yourself you weren't going to overreact to, uh, uh, you know, to what you saw. And, you know, we've heard the the preseason pledge, you know, funny little uh, um, hashtag on Twitter and stuff like that. This entire preseason up until now has been an overreaction, an overreaction for a kid all right, who had two games and we decided to wipe away six months worth of analysis going into the draft based upon two these two games. All right. Oh, man. Well, this guy over here says his footwork is fixed. It's, it's a miracle. It's fixed. Come on, man. The biggest overreaction going was thinking this kid was ready to start in the National Football League in two weeks. Well, that I do. He's not. I agree with you there. I don't think he's ready to start. I like what McDermott did. I liked him having a full week, being the starter, seeing how he would conduct himself at practice. And we talked about this too. You know what I mean? Off the field and stuff like that, talking to the media and, and things like that. It just was a disaster during the game. I don't put the game on him at all, but that doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that I think Josh Allen should be starting at Baltimore. I don't think he should be, and I didn't think he should be before the game. I don't think he's ready. I don't throw away six months of people analyzing him because even the most, you know, his biggest supporters said that the kid is a project, and he is a project. He's getting better. I've He's done some things that I like during the preseason. That's for damn sure, but he's not a starter, not yet, nor should he be. And again, to beat the horse, I don't want him to be the starter behind this offensive line right now. He's not going to get better. He's not taking his lumps. He's going to get fucking killed. That's what's going to happen. Now let's talk about the guy that you do like a lot. And you know what? He played a great game. Nate Peterman looked really good against Cincy. Albeit, again, not really a fair fight. He got to play with some of the Bills' ones against the Cincy twos, so he didn't play against Atkins and Lawson and some of those guys who were just wrecking our offensive line. But that aside, man, you know what? Peterman looked good against Cincinnati. He's looked good this entire preseason, and he's looked good in training camp. I'm sure I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask you anyway. Based on what you saw Sunday, the good and the bad of of both quarterbacks, 
Do you think this is over? Is this competition over? Is Nate Peterman starting week one at Baltimore? Yeah, but I don't think it's a slam dunk. And um, really, I th- I well, I'll tell you why I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think uh, I don't think we've heard the last of AJ McCarron. <laughs> I think I think they could really throw a curveball at us. Um, you know, with him in the next week and a half, I, I, you know, he was probably brought here to be the placeholder for Allen and, you know, I just, look, I, I, I think it's going to be Peterman. Okay. Um, I, I don't know if I could put percentages to it or anything like that, but, uh, if I tried really quick, I would say 65 Peterman, you know, uh, Break up the rest between Allen and uh, uh, <laughs> I don't feel like doing the math. Break up the and I'm actually pretty decent with math usually. Break up the rest between Allen and McCarron. I, I I think McCarron might still be in this uh, in this conversation a little bit, you know, because of the fact that he's healthy. But uh, no, I do. I I, I think it's going to be Peterman. I think it should be Peterman. I think he's a, a good quarterback. I think he'll make some of your deficiencies uh, look a little less glaring starting with the offensive line, obviously. And, you know, I'm going to be rooting like hell for the guy to give the uh, the Bills a lot of reasons to uh, to keep him in because I want to have a good season. I think he's our path to it. I look, I, I, I take it one season at a time. And, um, you know, I'm looking at 2018 right now. And, and I think Nate Peterman can can do some good in 2018 is our best chance is our best chance of winning in 2018. Let's put it that way. He has the best chance of not getting sacked 12 times in a game at this point. Cause if nothing else, I do think he's much better at getting rid of the ball quicker than McCarron or Josh Allen. I don't agree with you at all about AJ McCarron. I think his shot went away in that Cleveland game when he got the start, wasn't effective early. Again, a lot of it was on the offensive line and then he got hurt or bang, at least I should say banged up anyway. Well, let me ask you this. Okay, so they got one more preseason game on Thursday. They're playing the Bears. That's, you know, the last game is pretty much the head for the bus game. Starters get a cup of coffee if they even play at all. Who do you think starts at quarterback Thursday? Do you think it's do you think it's McCarron's game? And if so, do you think it matters? Yeah, I think it's McCarron's game, and it probably shouldn't matter. It probably won't matter. I just keep I, this is a silly reference right here. I keep thinking about Rob Johnson and like that meaningless game at the end of the season that one year against the Colts, and then and then he starts the playoff game against uh, uh, against the Titans. Now I, if, I I believe that was Ralph Wilson's intervention there. Completely. But, I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. So you know, if McCarron goes out there and just has some good zip on the ball, and uh, you know commands the offense, whether it be second team or whatever, I, I could I could see McDermott throwing a curveball at us. And it's just, man, they don't strike me as the type of guys to get swayed by the fans, but it doesn't matter, man, what Nathan Peterman does. There's still that huge, huge faction of the fans that see the, the quarterback they saw in San Diego. And boy, they're, they're just not going to, they're, they just don't seem to be getting behind the kid because if San Diego doesn't happen, man, there is there's a giddiness about. Him. He's been so good, all right. We'd be giddy about how good he's throwing the football, but instead we're just we're we're so sour on it. That ball to Prol yesterday, I don't care who it's against or you know what the uh, you know Cincinnati twos or threes or whatever. That was a window that 
Oh, you're talking about Brandon Wright. And that was to Riley. Yeah, what a beautiful throw. Was it Riley? It was Riley. It was Riley. And it was That's beautiful. Right. You're right. 100%. Cole's right. 87, Riley's 89. Yep. Um, it was gorgeous, man. It's a it gorgeous football. And he throws a good seam ball. You know, I, I still I think about the the Calvin Benjamin pass that opened up the San Diego game last year before Benjamin got hurt on that very play and it all went to hell. You know, he just throws a good he throws a pretty good ball, man. It doesn't it mean it doesn't have a lot of velocity, but and that's a problem. I don't mean to just gloss past that, but I like him. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he gives us a chance to win. And I have always thought that it's very possible that it could be one of those situations uh, I'm not comparing Nathan Peterman to Drew Brees, okay? Please. All right. But like when San Diego drafted Rivers and then they re- then they ended up with Brees and Rivers on their hands, um, I think the Bills could end up in a situation where they have two starting caliber quarterbacks. And that may bode well for us, you know, come the draft next year if uh, if Peterman can be spun in, into something. I just think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to have a long career in this league. Well, I'm not quite as high on him as you are, but I will say this. If you were to take Sean McDermott at his word, and he said all along this was going to be an open competition for quarterback, I don't see how anyone can arrive at the conclusion that Nate Peterman hasn't earned the job. He's earned it. He's played the best of the three. I like Josh Allen, and most people are going to like Josh Allen the most because he has the highest ceiling. The guy might be the next, you know, Cam Noonan or Ben Roethlisberger, but he ain't right now. Right now, I, I can't see how anyone could say that Nate Peterman is not the best quarterback on this team because he's earned it. He, you know what? He's looked good all three preseason games. He really did. And against the Bengals, that first drive he came in, I think, yeah, he came in to start the third quarter. He went six for six for like 79 yards on that drive and threw a nice touchdown pass to uh, Jason Kroom, who made a hell of a play of his own to get in the end zone. And again, yeah, he was playing with some of the, at least some of the Bills ones against the Bengals twos. But you know what? Who cares? He also looked good when he was playing with the Bills ones against the Carolina Panther ones a couple weeks ago as well. So if you're doing the, you know, the mathematical percentages, I got him at like 90% right now to be the starter. Allen at maybe seven or 8% and uh, McCarron 2%. I just don't see AJ McCarron starting. I just don't think he's had enough time. I don't think he's done enough to earn the job. So if this is a true competition, AJ McCarron, there's, there's no way he's earned that job. If he's starting week one, that means McDermott had his mind pretty much made up in July that A.J. McCarron was going to be the starter. You agree on that? Yeah, and some people believe that that's the case. You know, some people did not take uh, uh, McDermott at his word of a competition. A lot of people felt it was going to be, you know, it was going to be McCarron. So I, I guess that's why I probably put the percentage a little bit uh, higher. But I'm probably too high. You're probably too low. But I think we both agree that, all signs point to, you know, to Peterman. I may, I mentioned Jason Kroon just a couple of minutes ago. You impressed with that kid? Him and Logan Thomas, man, those are two good-looking athletic tight ends. Nick O'Leary could be in trouble. Yeah, I, uh, you know, O'Leary had that, um, had that drive with Peterman uh, against, against Cleveland, you know, where he, you know, caught yeah. some good balls. I think he caught the score. You know, he, look, he finds. He was wide he, open that play. But yeah, I agree with you. He just he finds, you know, those soft spots in zones. He's a cerebral player. He just doesn't have the athleticism of the of the other two. And, you know, we haven't really seen Dayball's offense, you know, in in full uh, running order yet. 
and it's going to come down to, you know, if he wants the athletic tight ends, are they more uh, receivers in a day ball offense or, or are they more blockers? How much do you lose, you know, in, in, you know, not having a, a strong blocking presence at the tight end position, especially, all right, on a line that sure as shit could use a little help chipping on, on the ends and, and whatnot. So, yeah, they're going to have a tough decision and shit. You know, when your offensive line sucks and you're afraid of losing potentially two very athletic um, tight ends, you know, to the waiver wire, I don't know. Um, is four out of out of the question? Is keeping four tight ends out of the question? I don't think it's out of the question. I mean, if they keep six receivers, which is likely, and they keep five running backs, which is very likely, and they'll probably be four tailbacks and a fullback, I think they would only keep three tight ends. But, again, these guys are playing themselves on this roster. I'm not sure how good Thomas and Krumar on special teams, or or Larry for that matter. But if you had to get rid of one of them, if you're Brandon Bean right now and you're only keeping three, and you do bring up a good point, maybe they keep four and this is a moot point. But just for the sake of discussion, let's just say they keep three. Who's going on the waiver wire Friday or Saturday if you're Brandon Bean? It's O'Leary. It's O'Leary. I agree. I agree. Or I'm trading or I'm trading Charles Clay for some interior offensive line help. Can I do that? Well, I did hear a couple (laughs) people. I heard a couple people on Twitter suggest that we cut him. I know. I think that's a little bit insane. There's no real financial incentive to cut him because he's not really going to help with him. Not to mention they already have a shitload of cap money, so they don't need to worry about any cap related moves. I can't see them cutting Charles Clay. He does look a little old and less athletic, I will say, than Kroom and, and Thomas. But, man, I just I can't see them cutting him. Do you see anyone oh, yeah. wanting to trade for? Yeah, but are you going to trade for a tight end who's making $9 million a year? Because I think that's what his cap, I think that's his total for this year is like around $9 million. That's a lot. Yeah, I think, well, I think I think a lot of the, the big cap effect uh, years are, are behind him. But, no, nah, who the hell knows if, if anybody – I mean – Taking on a salary like that, you, they're probably not willing to, you know, to trade anything of of value. But I do think I do think Charles Clay's a good football player. I, I mean, he had a drop yesterday, though, on the Bills' first offensive play that changes the dynamic of the first series of that drive. You know, yeah, but dude, he yeah, threw yeah. a bullet at him. That's what I was talking about with I, Josh Allen. He might need to, dude. He do it. Tyrod used to do that too. Tyrod would would throw like you know a three yard crossing pattern, like would gun a three yard crossing pattern. Yeah, there was no. You know who doesn't do that? You know, you want to know who doesn't do that? You know, puts the ball in a perfect position to catch and run with it. Number two, baby. Number two. He does throw the ball pretty well. I just man, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm one of those guys. You sit there and you you know you criticize everyone who can't get past that Chargers game last year for Nate. Maybe I'm one of those guys. Maybe it's just locked in my brain. It's unfair to him. Maybe I'm not giving this guy, you know, a full chance to be successful, at least in my mind, because he hasn't done anything this preseason to to, uh, to be skeptical about. He really hasn't. Playing with the ones, the twos, the threes, does it really fucking matter? You put him out there when he's out there, and he's making plays when he's out there, and that's all he could do. Well, you know, he does get that out route jump though. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll say it too. He, he, those who can get past the charger game, but still, you know, want to ding them for something that they've seen 
you know, repeatedly out, outside of that Charger game, they're going to point to the arm strength on the out route because right after he had that throw to Riley, all right, that was, you know, perfect right down the seam and seemed to have a little oomph on it. You know, he floats one out to the sideline that could have easily been a pick six. It may have seriously been the exact next play, man, because I like people weren't even done tweeting about the Riley throw before, you know, he, he made that play. So there is concern there with the arm strength on the out route. But I think when when you talk about a quarterback who gets rid of the ball fast, I don't think you're just talking about a, a quarterback who releases the ball fast. I think you're talking about a quarterback who processes the the play fast. That's That, to me, is more of what you're saying about a quarterback who gets the ball out quick than just a release or or a three-step drop. I think you're talking about a guy, all right, who who sees the play, you know, quicker, sees a play develop quicker than others. And and that's what I've always felt, you know, Peterman had did when when he's not, you know, just getting annihilated by Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. And and he's got to see those out routes quicker. He, you know, he's he, he's gotta make up for his arm strength or lack thereof by reading plays that, that t- you know, to the sidelines, the lo- slightly longer throws to the sidelines quicker than he does right now because those are getting jumped on him all day. Well, if there's one guy, and I want to get to a couple guys on defense in a minute, but before that, if there's one guy you know, I can almost guarantee you wants Nate Peterman to be the starting quarterback week one, it's Kelvin Benjamin. I think the chemistry is much better amongst them too. And I think he could be poised to have a big year if Peterman's the quarterback. Now, speaking of the wide receivers, I I felt like coming in, this was a big week and maybe one or two guys can separate themselves because in my opinion, if they keep six receivers, which pretty much most teams do, and I think the Bills will do that as well. I mean, obviously Benjamin and Zay Jones and Holmes because of how he plays special teams and Curly, those four guys are a lock. They're on this roster. So you pretty much have two open spots. And I don't know about you, but I didn't see anything from any of the other wide receivers that makes me say, you know what? This guy's getting one of those two other spots. Did you see anything at all beyond those first four? Like Corey Coleman, I think they tried running a, a end reverse or something to him that, or a jet sweep or something that didn't go for much. He might be a guy, you know, for all the talk about us making a big trade for him, a former first rounder. I think he could be a guy who might not make this team because Streeter might make the team as, as, as a five. And then you got, I don't know, Cole, I don't know what, how good he is on special teams, but if he's not going to be one of the top three or four receivers, then he better be able to play special teams or he might not be on this roster. You agree with that? Or do you think Coleman's pretty much a, a sure thing to make this team? No, I don't. I, I don't think he's a sure thing. Um, they also tried a bubble screen to him yesterday. So they, they had two designed plays to try to get him into space, and they just didn't work. It's it's almost like they're holding back, throwing the, the go route to him. Uh, and and I don't know, man. If they're if they're holding back, if you how can you cut Coleman without letting him go out there and run a go route and seeing if he can run under a Josh Allen rainbow? I mean, how how can you you know, how can you cut him without at least seeing if uh, if there's chemistry there? I, I'd have a hard time doing that, but that doesn't mean that, that the Bills will have a hard time doing that. 
I, you know, I was ready to put Jeremy Curley on the bubble, crazy as that sounds, because I, I felt like Zay coming back and the trade for Coleman and things like that, that they might have been able to get away, you know, with with a, a, a younger group of receivers there. But he made a play yesterday that I absolutely loved on third and 14. He knew exactly where that stick was, made the made his curl uh, right at the stick and the ball was delivered right there. That's a, that's a veteran play that solidified it for me. Although it, probably in the minds of most, it never needed to be solidified. So you're right on Curly. You're right on Zay, obviously on Benjamin, but I'm not giving Holmes a spot, uh, as quickly as, as others might be because of the special teams. I've only got three locks at receiver right now. I like Clay, too. I should have mentioned him. Caleb Clay and Rod Streeter. I see, I could see that being the fifth and sixth receivers. So Coleman better have a good week of practice or a couple good days, I should say, of practice or do something because I'm getting to a point where I wouldn't. I mean, they don't listen. They only gave up a seventh rounder two years from now for the guys. It was not like they invested a ton in him. He better do something worthy this week of sticking on this roster. Or I'm going to call it now. I don't think he's going to be on the roster next week. I'm good with that. I mean, that's a, you know, I'm good with that in, in terms of your um, prediction of it. And I'd be good with that if the Bills did it. I don't give a shit about Corey Coleman, man. You know, <laughs> if he's, if he sticks great, if he doesn't, whatever. Well, um, I envision him being a Deontay Thompson type player for this team. You know what I mean? A guy with speed who can get down the field, who can help stretch out the, uh, know the vertical passing game maybe he still is maybe i'm wrong i hope i'm wrong deontay thompson and i could not believe that they did not look to re-sign him deontay thompson was a fabulous blocking wide receiver with speed i i was shocked that the bills did not re-sign deontay thompson all right he's got the coleman has the speed of thompson but deontay thompson was a very good blocker uh, and believe me, that's just that's not me like watching film or anything like that. Credible people said it. So when I say that, it must have been Joe B for it to stick. But yeah, Col- there's there's facets of 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 Deontay Thompson's game that uh, that Coleman doesn't have. And I don't know that they have it all, quite frankly, right now at receiver in terms of guys that can block, uh, you know, on the edges and, and spring shady, you know, after he gets to the second level. I mean, what the fuck, man? Is is he going to be able to run anywhere? I'm just going to go on and on right now about how terrible everything is offensively, so stop me. No, I'm going to switch to the defense because we could keep talking about the offense forever. And by doing that, we're kind of letting the defense get away with things that they don't deserve to because that defense was not good. You know, they weren't all that good against Cleveland either, but they were rotten. They sucked against Cincinnati. And a couple guys in particular that I really didn't like, Monte Davis on that first play, he got abused by John Ross on that. Like I said, that Bengals first offensive play went for, I think, a yeah, 57 yard touchdown. And he, then he got beat badly again by Ross, but Ross dropped it. It probably would have been another touchdown. Dude, I like Monte Davis, but he looks old right now. And by the way, he also got benched for a couple series in favor of Philip Gaines. So in that second quarter, when the ones were out there, he was on the bench for, I, I believe, at least two drives while Gaines was out there. So we might suddenly have, you know, we were talking about Gaines versus Teron Johnson for that nickel spot. Shit, at this rate, we might be talking about Gaines versus Bonte Davis for the starting corner spot opposite Trey White, who also wasn't good. And we'll talk about him in a minute. Yeah, I didn't notice that when it was happening. Um, and I'm not sure that I that I even caught it on Twitter when it was happening. I mean, you want to talk about a double whammy. Okay. I'm not only am I at a family barbecue trying to watch this game, but like, I'm in like a, a, 
like like a basement kind of uh, family room with like no service either. So I got no Twitter. I, I've got nothing. I'm just that's dying. the worst. That's terrible. So I didn't notice it when it was happening, but uh, you know, sure, I, I it, it shocked me, but I guess it could happen. I guess that's why you want a guy like Philip Gaines. You want a guy that can play the slot. Or the outside, you know, in case of you're thinking more uh, along the lines of in case of injury, you know, when it comes to, you know, playing one of the outside spots. But if he's a better if he's a better uh, cornerback right now than than Vontae Davis is is in his career, then make the move. I, I don't give a shit. I'll bet you if the Bills had a chance to do the second episode of Embedded Over, they would have cut out that part where Trey was dogging him for all his bones cracking every time he gets out of the uh, the cool tub or whatever. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you remember yep. Trey busting out? Yep. Because, I mean, now we're – it's one thing to see a teammate kind of bust on him getting old a little bit uh, at age 32. It seems more like kind of, kind of funny or, you know, ball busting, but – now you're seeing it on the football field and you're seeing it in in glowingly in bad terms anyways. Trey White, Trey White didn't look good either by the way yesterday. He struggled. Uh, you know what? AJ for whatever reason maybe <laughs> he, he he maybe it's just the Bengals. He does not this is twice now he's not looked good against the Bengals and specifically AJ Green has gotten by far the better of him twice. I don't remember I yeah, I can't remember all the all of Green's catches, but I do remember the touchdown. And holy shit, did Andy Dalton put a ball in there perfectly? Can you remember the touchdown? I mean, it was. I mean, White had a beat on him. I mean, it, he it was basically, you know, what Green's three or four inches on on White. Um, yeah, that that scored that. I mean, but Dalton, I just remember thinking, no, oh, that was cow. a fabulous that throw. But was, even beyond that touchdown, awesome. he just struggled in coverage. He just didn't look. He just didn't look like Trey White normally does on Sunday. And it's just, yeah, I don't he, know. This is twice in a row against the Bengals now. Yeah, I I agree. I'll tell you though, uh, in terms of goats in the secondary, Trey White is not number two. I think everybody has uh, uh, has Bonte Davis at number one. Jordan Poyer looked like shit. All right, Jordan Poyer was clearly Vontae Davis's help uh, a few times and got over there late. Jordan Poyer has not looked good. I don't give a. I'm. I, I am not attributing it to whatever's going on on social media or any of that nonsense. All right, um, I'm simply attributing that to a guy who is does not appear to be as dialed in. You know, coming off his his breakout season, and that shit's got to change in a hurry, or they're in a lot of trouble. Because if those safeties. Okay, I think everybody thought that those safeties would even go up a level as good as they were last year, that another year together, they they could take it to another level. If they don't at least match the performance that they had last year, well, that's going to be really problematic for a defense that's that's counting on uh, counting on their secondary. I want to touch on one more player. What's your patience level right now with Jermaine Edmonds? Because the kid's showing flashes. There's no question about that, but at times... He looks a little bit lost and kind of physically overwhelmed a little bit. I mean, we need to have patience. The kid's only 20 years old and he's playing middle linebacker. You know, it's a hard spot. It's a complex position to learn and it's still preseason. But I think it's pretty obvious that you're going to see a lot of ups and downs with this kid this year. Some weeks he may look great and other weeks you're going to be like, he shouldn't even be playing in this game right now. He doesn't look ready. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, dude, I was really hoping that he would just lace him up and from day one, you know, we'd start watching him in in, in awe. You know what I mean? I mean, that's really what I was hoping for. I'm not going to lie. I was like, he's just so physically gifted. We're just going to put him on the field and and be in love with watching this guy play football. And unfortunately, it hasn't quite gone like that. It's gone exactly as you just described it. The one thing I will say, though, about uh, about Edmonds is my guess is when we talk about, you know, being vanilla in the preseason, if there were a player that I think McDermott and Frazier have plans for, all right, that have not been revealed quite yet in the uh, in the preseason, I mean, obviously there's, there's scheme that uh, that isn't being shown, but if there's a player within the scheme that we haven't seen, uh, you know, used the way he might be used on Sundays in a couple of weeks. I think it's Tremaine Edmonds. It's a fair point. Never really thought about that either. It's a really good point. You know, one more thing about this Bills game. Then I want to move on as, as we start to wrap this up. The offense pissed me off. The defense pissed me off. And the defense, again, is escaping a lot of wrath because that offensive line was just that fucking deplorable. But... I also didn't like Sean McDermott very much yesterday. I mean, Jesus Christ. It looked like we mailed it in in that first half twice on fourth and like one or less than one. We punted in the first half. Why? In the preseason. What's, why not go for it? Oh, man. Do you I even really remember? Ha- uh, uh, I can remember not the exact um, instances of it, but I can I can remember. Uh, well, let me tell you one of the two, because one of the two really pissed me off, and that was the first time. It was third and four. Josh Allen escaped with his life behind the pocket. Oh, He yeah. made a nice yeah. run to the sideline. Yes. They actually should have fucking challenged it because it looked like he might have gotten the first down, and if he didn't, he was probably two, three inches away. We didn't challenge it. It ended up being fourth and about a little less than a yard, and we punted it. That really pissed me off. The kid makes a nice play. Again, if it's regular season, first quarter, no brainer. You're kicking that ball away. But it's the preseason. Why are you not going for it on fourth and one? I thought that was kind of a a chicken shit decision by McDermott right there. I think the other one is coming to me now. It's one where I felt like Charles Clay should have reached the ball out at the uh, the sideline because he would have got the first down. Um, But the one, you know, where... Where Allen took off. I mean, he earned that fourth down try. Sure you, know I, you know what I mean? I, I mean, it, it, it would have been, you know, a nice momentum builder after that play. That was a fun play by him. That was, it, it's the first time he's been elusive at times. He's scrambled at times, but that's the first time I, I can remember seeing Allen kick it into a gear. All right. That, uh, that people said he had in terms of straight line speed. Um, you know, coming out of the draft. So that was great to see. As far as McDermott is concerned, I think when 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 we talk about the third preseason game being a dress rehearsal, I think he takes that to a level that goes even beyond just the, you know, how much he uses his starters. I think he plays it like he's going to play a regular season game so that he can get the communication down, he can get his own um decision-making processes down. So while we might look at it and say, hey, man, it's just a preseason, he very well might be a guy and strikes me as a guy who's saying, I'm going to play, not only play my starters in this first half, I'm going to coach this half uh, of football 
like I would in, in the regular season. And, you know, hence we got the chicken shit pun. Last thing here with the Bills, okay? I want you to give me two guys on each side of the ball. Give me two guys who you think, not each side of the ball, but two guys who helped their stock rise the most on this game. And I know Peterman's one of them, so that's why I said two. So I want you to give me someone outside of Peterman who you think helped his stock the most with this game. And then conversely, I want you to give me someone else besides John Miller who you think stock plummeted the most. I don't want to say plummet might be a harsh word, but someone whose stock dropped the most based on the Cincinnati game. One guy for each. Uh, well, I hate to be redundant, but, and Jesus, how, how can we, how, how can we do this offensively? How can you find a guy who's stocking? I didn't mean offensively. I screwed up. I, I presented that to you wrong. I met two guys, either side of the ball who really helped themselves the most. And I'm giving, I'm taking Nate Peterman away. So where he counts as one. So give me Peterman and someone else who really helped themselves the most offense or defense. And then give me someone who really hurt themselves the most. Besides John Miller, because I know you would say John Miller, and so would I. So Miller and someone else who's hurt themselves the most. Well, I, I, I included this name in it as well, although not to the same extent that I did Miller. But I think Ryan Groy hurt himself. You know, he he is being pushed by a four-year starter in this league. And while he may be an option, like we talked about, a guard or something like that, you know, he he is the captain of that offense of the offensive line that got manhandled and he is right in the middle of the interior that got manhandled and um and he's in a job you know he's in a job competition so i think ryan groy hurt his stock uh a little bit and and boy it's just i mean defensively i i think i think shaq's inability to to bring any sort of pressure i mean we saw hughes bring it we know that the interior of the line is missing uh, you know, is missing Kyle and a big part of their push. And um, I think we were hoping that uh, we wouldn't be hurt and as desperate for Trent Murphy to get on the field because, you know, Shaq was going to turn the corner and he was invisible yesterday. So Shaq might be going right back to, you know, uh, the land of, of the unknowns, you know, coming off that performance. Well, give me someone besides Peterman who they count themselves the most. Peterman and who? Who's that other guy who helped themselves the most yesterday? Oh, it was it was it was Kroom. It was definitely Kroom. And, and I say that because you know, as much as he's been being uh, lauded for his performance on the practice field and you know taking a lot of reps with the twos and stuff like that, he hadn't really done it in a game. Uh, he hadn't, you know, a lot of the the good vibes coming from Kroom uh, ha- have been related to practice. Meanwhile, in the games. Uh, it's been Logan Thomas and uh, and O'Leary last week making the plays. So I think Kroom needed to, you know, to make a, a play in a game situation, and he did that. And I think now he be, he's he's all but a slam dunk for this roster. I agree, and you know, I would also add Marcus Murphy. Any discussion that maybe he's just a nice little preseason story that's done. He's on this team. I don't know how much more clear it could be. He made this team. He's that third running back. He might return punch too. I think he helped himself in a big, big way. I don't think there's any more discussion. Now it comes down to, do they keep four tailbacks so Traveris Kadek could get a spot on this squad? Because Ivory looked really good too, by the way. If anyone had thoughts that, well, you know, maybe he's old and slow and he might get rid of him. He looked good as well too. So he's safe. And I think Marcus Murphy really helped himself. And I think he absolutely is a lock right now, as long as he stays healthy this week to make this team. 
I'm I'm not ready to do this yet. How right? could you but not let, be? Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me finish my let me finish my sentence. All right. right. Marcus Murray being on the team is is a you know, yes, that's a lock. What I'm saying is I'm not ready to do this yet. All right. But if these injuries are nagging, okay, I don't know that I need an 85% LaShawn McCoy more than I could use a healthy Marcus Murphy. I'm not ready to start talking that nonsense yet. Okay. But I talked it with Peterman and it looks like I, you know, I might be able to put that feather in my cap and I'm not too far off. All right. From being ready to start talking about Marcus Murphy and LaShawn McCoy's uh, dipping production. If it, if it ends up that way. I do want to ask you a two part question about something that's got nothing to do with the bills. Okay. Living in Florida. I saw pictures this past week of uh, the Trop in Tampa, okay? Or in St. Petersburg, I should say. The stadium is empty as shit all week. And mind you, the Boston Red Sox have been in town, okay? How does St. Petersburg have a major league baseball team over Buffalo? And do you think Buffalo would strongly support an MLB team if given the opportunity? That's part one of my question. I'll get to part two. But first answer that, do you think... In this day and age, in 2018, just for the fun of it, let's just say baseball expanded or they got rid of a couple teams and awarded a franchise to a new team and Buffalo was one of them. Do you think the city of Buffalo would be able to properly support a major league team? I do, as long as it's all about price point, man. You know, I mean, it really comes down to affordability. You know, you look at how the attendance uh, trends upwards when a guy like uh, when a guy like Vladdy comes to town, Vladdy Jr. And um, man, I mean, we 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 realize when major league caliber guys, you know, come to town and we get out for it. You know, now how does that play over 80, 81 games? Not as dramatic, uh, but you know, dramatic enough to, to where I think our attendance would, uh, would, would be competitive, uh, with, with other cities. Well, okay. Here's the second part of this question. All right. If the Pagulas said tomorrow that they would buy either an MLB team or an NBA team and move it to Buffalo, which would you prefer? And before answering that, know this much. I did a podcast poll on Twitter last week. Okay. And you want to talk about division, Four, almost 500 people ended up voting, okay? 51% MLB, 49% NBA. That's how close it was for Buffalo fans on which team they'd rather have. If you had your choice right now, what would you rather have? It's baseball for me. I mean, give me give me 81 home dates. Give me 162 nights of the of, of a team I love. You know, I'll... I'll that's, you know, and it's just a sport that I, that I love more, but isn't, isn't it fucked up though? As much as we love our, our bills and sabers without a doubt. All right. The two best run leagues in professional sports are the two we don't have. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's not even close. This is going to lead right into an unpopular opinion right now. So let me go first. We're going to do our weekly unpopular opinion. Here's mine. I'm so glad you said that. Tomorrow, if you asked me and gave me the opportunity, I would trade the Bills and the Sabres for an MLB and an NBA franchise in Buffalo. I'd trade them both. Those two, I would make that swap tomorrow. Yo, that is such a trip, man, because we do talk a little bit about shit that we're going to cover over the uh, over the, the course of, of, of a podcast. 
We didn't talk about that at all. No. <laughs> we you didn't talk the same? about that at all. No, 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 no. I'm just saying what I said leading up to it oh. about the, you know the two best leagues are the two that we don't have. Oh yeah, I, I, I agree I mean, completely. Agree. Without a doubt, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know that I could do that with the Bills. Football is such uh, make you, you know, be bigger. I mean, it, it's our it's our ticket to you know to the big time football, man. I, I don't know, I don't know, but it's bold. It's good. It's probably. It's probably the best bold prediction that uh, that you've ever done on on this on this podcast. Well, out of the uh, like, you know, the ones that I've participated in because I've never listened to any others. So, <laughs> um, well, mine is mine is that the uh, it's just it's going to be so weak in comparison to yours. But um, I believe that the quarterback position is hugely undervalued in fantasy football. I cannot stand the fact that people are talking about, you know, and drafting teams second best running back or or someone who splits carries in Atlanta before they're talking about Matt Ryan. This entire sport is driven on the quarterback, but yet this entire fantasy uh, world that surrounds this sport is driven by number two running backs. It's fucking lame. All right. The quarterback should be the most important spot in the fantasy leagues, just as it is the actual leagues and the scoring should dictate that there should, it should not be about what it's currently about. I have no idea why it is or how it became that way. And it is definitely which what has steered me much more to to my passion for fantasy baseball than football is the marginalization of the quarterback position. I think it's lame. It's pretty solid. Pretty solid. I got one more question for you. Then we're going to get out of here. And this is completely random, but we talk all the time, you know, because I spent a lot of the summer in Buffalo. Now I'm back here in Florida. I guess I just started thinking randomly for no reason. If you could live in any city in the United States. Okay. And I'm posing this question to you and you were guaranteed to make a reasonable living and you were guaranteed to have a reasonable home to live in with everything else in your life factoring into your decision. You know, it could be kids, what you're doing for a living right now. And do you like where you are? All that stuff all factored in. If you could pick any one city in the United States to live, where would you pick? Uh, well, I saw your, you know, I saw you put it up there. I saw some of the responses. Um, and I, I am just, I am so in the middle. I think the two most popular may have been, you know, New York and San Diego. And, and I am just so dead in the middle of, uh, of those two cities, man. I love the hustle and bustle of New York. I yeah, love, a, me too. I love a busy city, man. Me too. But holy shit, dude, when you wake up every day and the weather is just fucking perfect. I mean, that just, it just, it's life changing, man. It's just, it's life changing. It, it, it's just, it would, it would be so hard to decide between, between those two. It, it, it's just, I am San Diego and New York through and through. And uh, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to be able to differentiate for you before we get out of here. I need to give a shout out to John McCain, who passed away, of course, this weekend at the age of 81 from cancer. He was one of the true American patriots of our lifetime. So I got to ask you this, man. You got anyone you want to give a shout out to? Still no. Dynamite drop in money and broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Thanks to Tone Pucks for coming on. That was a good, solid hour of Buffalo Bills talk. 
One more game, folks. And then the pretend football's over and the real thing starts. The real bullets start to fly. Can't wait for that. Coming up on Friday's show, we'll have reaction from the Bills-Bears game the night before. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a guest for you for the next show as well. If you haven't done so already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe to this podcast. It's quick. It's easy. It's free. You just click that subscribe button. I mean, literally, that's all you have to do is go there and click the subscribe button and then bang, new episodes automatically get sent to your phone. You can play them and then delete them right after so it doesn't take up all the memory storage on your phone. If you don't have iTunes and Apple Podcasts, you can also catch us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. Have a good week, everyone. Stay safe. Enjoy the rest of the summer. It's going by way too goddamn quick. And I'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Peace out.